Welcome back to the Cattle Menu Podcast. I'm Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K Rose Company and Cattle Menu. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I'm excited to bring you these conversations each week filled with relatable advice and techniques you can take back to your operation. It's my mission to make sure that we can ranch in the next generation. Make sure and subscribe where you're listening so you never miss a new episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Cattle Menu Podcast. I have my friend and college roommate on today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Why don't you start and just tell us a little bit about your agriculture background and how you are involved in ag today? Yes. So I grew up on a ranch in southwest Montana. Um, My parents are actually first-generation Herfer breeders. Um, My grandparents had a few commercial cows um, not far from where the ranch is now, but uh, my dad just had this lifelong dream of raising Herefords, and he married my stepmom when I was around three, and they just kind of jumped in with both feet and tried to make that happen. So, you know, I grew up and kind of caught the bug and fell in love with the lifestyle, fell in love with the cows, and uh, just kind of knew in some form or fashion I would, wanted to stay involved in in agriculture. I ended up making my way to Montana State in Bozeman, where I got a degree in animal science. I held a few jobs out of college, just kind of slowly started to make my way back home, and took on you know, a lot of responsibility pretty quickly and um, decided to just be here full time and and focus on that. That's kind of, you know, where I'm at today. My passion is really with the cows, but obviously we do a, a little bit of farming. We put up all of our own hay. If I can stay out of the tractor, I will, but obviously I have to be involved in in all aspects of the ranch. But yeah, cows are really where um, my true passion lies. So I kind of take care of the day-to-day stuff and and kind of direct traffic uh, with them as far as, as the ranch goes. So It's always interesting to me because I remember when I first met you in college, you were in nursing. And so I think it never dawned on me that you wanted to go back to the operation because you started in nursing. Obviously, you switched. And I think that's pretty common. But I never like the two pieces of you going back to the operation. I don't know if it's because you started in nursing, but that never really like was something I considered until you got out of school a couple years. So were you always planning to go back or what did that kind of look like? Yeah. So honestly, (laughs) I guess I'll get, I'll get deep in this podcast. You know, my, my dad and I didn't always get along super great. And so Kind of throughout my high school years, I never really imagined I'd come back to the ranch full time and have this be an everyday, all day thing for me. I kind of looked for avenues of something I could do and then maybe my off time be on the ranch or spare time be on the ranch. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely kind of zigzagged when it came to college. I started out at Rocky playing golf. And at the time, I knew I did want to go into nursing, but I, I would have to kind of go around about a roundabout way where I, you know, majored in biology and this and that. So I ended up going to Bozeman. I was going to focus on nursing. And then honestly, I don't I don't know what was the big like light bulb moment where I was like, no, I want to focus on agriculture wholeheartedly. So I ended up switching and I went to pre-vet and Honestly, I just realized I'm not smart enough for this, so I didn't last very long in pre-vet, which is probably a good thing. I think I would make a terrible vet because I'm kind of a softie, so I I think um, that job would have been pretty hard for me. So then I just switched to animal science and and focused on that, and you know, I I did know at the time, yes, I wanted to come back to the ranch. Um, I never imagined it would happen as quickly as it did. I think I was maybe 24 at the time when I started kind of coming back and spending more time there 
And then I was probably 26 when I was pretty much full-time at the ranch. So yeah, I mean, I kind of saw things happening a little bit differently than they did, but that's life for you, I guess. So I think also your parents worked the ranch in their fringe time. And so I think it was learned behavior where you're like, I'm going to have to get a full-time job as a nurse in order to keep this family business alive and work on the nights and weekends. So I think that's something you saw modeled and that's really easy. I mean, I was talking to someone on the podcast just the other day and they were talking about their parents that the hustle that their parents had as first generation almost turned them off from the ranch because they're like, literally, our vacations, our nights, our weekends, like that's all we did is ranch. And I think you saw that. I mean, your parents coming and being first generation, it's a lot of work. You saw them really, really work. And and obviously it made you like it added to your work ethic, but it could have been a little unappealing when you were a kid. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, I don't think I will ever truly understand the work, the effort that it took on their part to make this place happen. They were working at the time in the same town that my grandparents were in with their their small ranch. They continued to hold those jobs. So Basically, they were traveling half an hour to work and then back and having those day jobs. And then, yeah, I mean, working well into the night to get stuff done on the ranch. And, you know, my dad always has these stories of, you know, trying to move wheel lines in in the dark. And so he doesn't love when I complain about (laughs) having to irrigate. It just, it took just an incredible amount of effort. And, and yeah, I mean, they were always pretty good about supporting any extracurricular stuff I wanted to do. You know, a lot of times they wouldn't be able to make it themselves, but they would get me thrown into someone's van to get to a basketball tournament or something like that. Yeah. All of their spare time pretty much went back into the ranch and just trying to make that happen. You know, a lot of our weekends in the summer were spent traveling a couple hours away, which is where the cattle were pastured for the summer. So It was not your average childhood, but honestly, I think what really sealed the deal for me was, was just the cows. I mean, I just, I fell in love with them. I fell in love with our specific group of cows and it was like right from the get go, I wanted to do everything I could to make sure that they were taken care of and they were happy. And I think I've just carried that with me today. You talked a little bit earlier about your relationship with your dad, and it's definitely been something that's been cool to watch it evolve. And I think that admitting that it was a challenge at some point, I mean, I look back at my teenage years and I can only imagine what my dad, I was surprised I wasn't like taken down the street and given to another family because I was so miserable. But I think that we think family ranches, it's like this kumbaya and it's, you know, this great experience all the time. And we just love to work together and have Thanksgiving together and have our parents watch our kids when we go on date night. Like it's, I mean, wow, social media tells a whole story, right, about family (laughs) ranches. And you have really, when you came back to the ranch, the approach that I saw you take, and you can clarify if this is different, is, you know, I know I think differently than my dad, and I know we have very similar personalities, which means we butt heads a little bit, but I'm just going to kind of work until I earn my spot. And that's what it felt like you did, and I think that's huge because, There's a lot of people out there who want to have a better relationship and want to feel that they fit in, but they're not doing the work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just, I've, I've thought a lot about the relationship with him and, and I've kind of come to the conclusion that it can be somewhat harder trying to be the next generation coming in behind a first generation because he knows wholeheartedly, you know, what it took to get this place started. And he poured absolutely every part of him into it. So if there's something that 
I come along and and I don't like or I want to change or I think should be better, I think it hits him a little harder because he was like, I did everything I could to make this place be here for us, for you. And and now, you know, you're having a problem with it or you want to change it, you know, and that's all very just general speaking. But I, I do, I think it's a little harder just because he has so much emotion around this place. Yeah, it's been rocky. But honestly, I mean, I think most people would be lying if they said it wasn't. That's a, a reason why branches aren't getting passed down is, is family can't work together. It's it's definitely an issue. And I think it just, yeah, it takes effort, you know, conscious effort every day on on both ends to make it work and just kind of keep that end goal in mind that we're working towards the same thing. We want success for each other, success for the ranch. We want it be able to continue to be passed down. And we do have, we have rocky days. We had obviously rocky years, <laughs> but you know, we've, we've worked through a lot of things. They've been good. Um, recently, you know, you, you kind of asked when I came home, guess if I'm going to get real on the podcast, I came home with my ex-husband who just kind of had a very different mentality around things. And it just, his, his mentality kind of clashed with my dad's. And honestly, that was the downfall of, of our marriage. And again, that's, that's life. I mean, my whole heart's in the ranch. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't gotten along and there were times where I didn't think that I wanted to come back, but I've tried to step away or I've tried to distance a little bit and I've always just been drawn back. So, you know, he has this kind of same mentality on his end. He really wants this place to get passed down. And now I have a couple kids involved and and I kind of see things from his perspective. And yeah, I mean, I will do what I can. I will sacrifice just to make sure that the ranch is still here and they have the opportunity to to take it over if if that's what they wish. Adding your two boys, twin boys who just turned two, to give everyone an idea about what you are trying to manage a ranch with. I think that perspective <laughs> is definitely beneficial because I can see your dad. I see it in my dad, right? It's like now that there's kids involved, we move a little slower. I can see him send my brother home for dinner. I get, you know, all of these things. It's like adding that next generation almost ignites that flame. That was like, you know, when they first started, it was all this, let's get this done. Let's build our dreams. And then when you came back, it was like, okay, new energy. And now it's like new energy again. And those kids play a huge role, I think, in allowing us to see the long term, allowing us to say, okay, we're going to get through these bad days. We're going to learn to communicate. We're going to learn to put our feelings aside and agree what's best for the rancher, compromise, because we can see those boys of yours and say, this is where we want them to be in 20 years. Are you wanting to start a farm to table business, but don't know where to begin? Caroline and Grayson have been exactly where you are. That's why we decided to host Scaling Farm to Table Behind the Scenes with the Rancher's Daughter this fall from October 12th through 15th in Kalispell, Montana. During this event, you will learn insider information like how to ship across the country and how to price your product. If you want a place to start, this is the perfect event for you. You can sign up now at cattlemenulive.com backslash 2023-farm-2 dash table dash event. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, having the boys come along has changed him quite a bit. It, I mean, it's changed me quite a bit. And and there's been obviously some new challenges that have come about with them, but you're absolutely right. I mean, before they came along, it was like nothing to to pull a, a 15 16 hour day and you know now haying season this year it was like okay it's 4:30 i have to step out of the tractor because i've got to go pick up the boys it's very hard for me to do but he handled it really well you know he would be bailing behind me and i'd be in the rake and it's like 
so I got to go. Like, we got to find someone to take my spot. And I did think he would be, there would be more pushback on his end just because it was how we always were. Just buckle down, do the job, get it done. Yes, he's been very understanding of, you know, the boys coming along and and their requirements. And, and it has slowed him down a little bit. He will have a list of things to do, but he'll stop and, and see the boys if I've got them along or he'll stop at the house. And I'm sure he doesn't quite get everything done on his list, but at the end of the day, it, you know, it's okay with him and stuff, but I'm super excited. They're starting to show interest in cows. And I do obviously hope in my heart that this is going to be something that they want to do. And I'm just excited to share my love for the ranch, this lifestyle and the, and the cows with them and God willing, they'll fall in love with them too, but we'll see. Time will tell. Secretly, your husband's hoping one of them wants to farm. Yes. I guess I have not mentioned my husband. He is a farmer, so he is not involved in the ranch at all. He tolerates cows, but he is fine to not have any. So yes, he is hoping, I think, that the boys will want to be spending their time in a tractor. But I tell him he needs to start taking them more with him because I take them and they love the cows. So, you know, when they get older and can start helping, I'm not going to be so willing to give them up because <laughs> I had them when they were young and um, had to figure out how to work with them. So they are going to be stuck with me. Yeah. They're free, um, free help if they learn the, learn the job. And now you have two yeah. of them. And so that will really help. But I know for sure, deep down in his heart, he hopes one of those loves those tractors more than cows. Yeah, he does. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll get lucky and they'll they'll kind of split and one wants to do the cows, one wants to farm and they'll have everything set. So Perfect pair. Yeah. Exactly. Do you think that your marriage is easier when he's not on the operation, when he kind of has his own thing? Does that help the dynamic that you have? Because right, we're playing in multiple dynamics. One, you're the rancher's daughter and he's on the operation. You're the manager of other employees and you're a wife. And so do you think that helps to kind of have separate day jobs, quote unquote, instead of working together every day for your guys' dynamics? Yeah. So I guess right off the bat, I want to say probably so. It probably is easier. You know, I, I think back to to my first marriage where we, my husband was on the ranch and we were trying to work together every day. And I will fully admit that I'm probably the problem. Like, hi, it's me. I'm the problem. I do have just a very strong personality. So, you know, if you bring someone like my my current husband in who kind of lets me be my big, bold self, I think it would wear on him, me constantly trying to tell him what to do or direct him or have him work under me. So honestly, I, I think it probably is for the best. It makes it pretty difficult with the boys now that they've come along because he's going 9-0 that way. I need to go 9-0 this way. And he still kind of gets to, you know, and, and it's been my schedule that has had to change as much as it has which we have people who have filled that spot. He doesn't. He's kind of the main person over on his parents' place, and he hasn't really had consistent or constant help, I guess. So he hasn't had really the opportunity to to step back um, as much as as I have. So it does make it hard. You know, there's times where he doesn't make it home. Or, you know, he'll go several days without seeing the boys because he has to leave before they get up and he's home after they go to bed. So that part's been hard, but that's, you know, I think we kind of knew that from the get-go. Farming and ranching is is not an easy lifestyle and we're trying to do it in two separate locations. And it's it's been a transition period and, and we're doing the best we can to make it work. And I think, yeah, once the boys get a little older and a little more self-sufficient, it'll be a little easier because he can take them. One thing we've people have asked and we've talked about, we've never split the boys up. I don't really know why we haven't tried that. Probably because he is always at least like 45 minutes to over an hour away. 
So he can't just say, come back to the house if the boys are having a meltdown or go, you know, put him down for a nap. Whereas I'm here, I'm, you know, the, the house that we live in sits on the ranch. So it's a little easier for me to just kind of maybe call it quits and, and take them back to the house. Yeah. We've never tried splitting them up. So I maybe kind of foresee that a little bit in the future when they get older, maybe him taking one and, and me keeping one here. So we'll see. I mean, it's, it's been tough. We've talked about ways to maybe kind of combine things, him still focusing on the farming, haying side of things, and maybe me focusing on the cows, but there just hasn't really been a clear answer or direction for us to take. So we're kind of doing our own thing right now and we'll see kind of where the future takes us. So so what you're telling people is it's okay if your dream includes that your husband works not on your operation. <laughs> yeah, which I I probably wouldn't have said that like in my college years. I think I I kind of searched for someone that I could bring home to the ranch, you know, with me, but you don't see that very often. I mean, a lot of people who are a lot of males, I guess, who are involved in agriculture, I mean, grew up on it. They have their own place that that they want to go back to. And it is kind of a, a tricky situation for sure. But with Jake in particular, his family farms, not terribly far away. So we have been able to make it work so far. It, it really hasn't been too bad. Well, he is, I guess, in addition, a petroleum engineer. So when we first started dating, he was pulling the two week on, two week off schedule. And I kind of nipped that in the bud when <laughs> the boys were coming along. I'm like, that's just not going to work for me. So at least we don't have that going against us. So that always no, just two weeks on farming. No, two he's weeks like, off. He's like five weeks on farming, <laughs> no weeks off. Like, Well, it's funny because they have multiple swathers, multiple balers. So he can be very efficient when he can find people to put in the equipment to run it. Gosh, he was done with first cutting. And we were, it felt like we were just getting started. So yeah, he can, he can be pretty efficient when he, when he finds people that helps. And that kind of gets him home a little bit more after, you know, those breaks in between cuttings and, and before harvest and stuff. Yeah. My husband runs the two weeks on one day off type of work. Yeah. Right now. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I do with two weeks off. Might be a little much for me. Um, yeah. When you came back to the ranch, were you the only female full-time employee? I was not. So the ranch is made up of my dad, my stepmom, my stepsister, Lacey, and myself, which we were very much a family operation. And when I came back, Lacey was back part-time. And we were kind of talking about it would work with the boys, you know, if they split up. And, and it works pretty good with Lacey and I because she's more interested in the the farming side of things and a little less in the cows. So that was a, a good combination between the two of us. But yeah, she was she was home part-time. She um, actually kind of took a different route through college. Um, she majored in political science and she worked on a few campaigns and then made her way back home. But my parents still have a hydraulic company and uh, she spends a little bit of her time there and a little bit of the time, her time on the ranch. So she's kind of split a couple different ways, whereas I'm full-time on the ranch. But in addition to family, we have hired, we've kind of tried to have at least one full-time person on and that's fluctuated. You know, that's gone back and forth between males and females. So yeah, we've kind of gotten to see a lot of different sides of people through the ranch. So we live in a very small town. Janae and I live in the same town and we ranch just on opposite ends of the same county. But labor and some amenities are really, really challenging in this small town. One, the price to live in towns in Montana has gone up an incredible amount because of the pressure of Yellowstone and Bozeman. But the town really hasn't grown. So we've just increased the cost of everything, housing, rentals, all of that, without attracting more people. And so labor, which I know is something you guys have struggled with, it's something we've struggled with, because when we're looking at an apartment in town, it could cost $2,000 for a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment. And if you think about hiring someone who needs a place to live, 
that's an incredible cost. And and you talked a little bit about it in daycare. I mean, there's just not the amenities. And so talk a little bit about how that has hindered some of your guys' growth plans, some of that, just the lack of resources. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been challenging. And, and the labor issue for sure does not just, you know, affect us. That is a a, a pretty major issue within agriculture. I always tell people I'm going to write a book about the people that have come through here because you just, you can't make up some of the stuff that we have seen and had to deal with. It, it's honestly just kind of made me lose a little bit of faith in humanity, some of the stuff I've seen, but that's part of it. I mean, it's so hard to find help that we get desperate and it's like anybody who shows any little interest of of working here will will take a chance on them. And nine times, maybe nine and a half times out of ten, you know, it comes back to bite us in the butt. But I just don't see any other option because one, we can't provide housing. We can't afford it if we could even find it. And things are slowing a little bit, you know, slowing down a little bit in the housing market. But the house that I currently live in used to be the house that was available for additional help. So when I came back full time, I moved into this house and kind of took over that that position. But, you know, there was still enough work for another full-time person as as we started to grow a little bit. And so we've gone through different things where um, you know, someone has lived in the basement of this house. And sometimes we've gotten lucky to find um, someone local who we didn't have to provide housing for. And then a lot of times we've just, we've hired some people that lived in town that didn't really know anything about agriculture, but we needed help and they needed a job. And so we gave it a go. So yeah, it's it's definitely been an issue. Thankfully, right now, we were very lucky to find a couple people who were local already and had ranching experience and were looking for a job. It's It's been pretty good. We've had a guy with us um, probably for about three years now. I grew up with his kids, actually. So, you know, they were already in town and, and yeah, he was just looking for, for something different. And then uh, we've got a younger guy working for us who started in March and his family was here and he just decided to move back back here to get kind of closer to them. And and he was had registered experience, so which was, you know, really nice and kind of a nice change for us. But yeah, we brought him on in March and we've been, you know, kind of working some kinks out and getting him settled. So that's been really good. Yeah, it's it's been a problem for sure. And I guess I don't really know, you know, what's what's going to fix it? I mean, like I said, the the market's kind of slowing down and, and that's been nice, but this area has just been one of the faster developing areas in the state. And um, they had built a, a new elementary school and it sounds like they're pretty much at capacity or, or nearing it already. And it's their first year in it. So there's definitely, yeah, some issues there. And I, I have struggled to find daycare. The boys were able to get into one for for like a couple months before it closed. And there was about two other daycares that closed at the same time. Fortunately, since we had last talked, they got called in for an interview. And I guess they were on their best behavior because um, they do get to go to daycare starting in a couple weeks. That's a, a pretty big weight lifted off my shoulders. Because yeah, that's that's honestly been probably the hardest thing with the boys is just trying to figure out, you know, a balance between them and work because obviously the work is still there, you know, the responsibility is still there, but I just can't put forth the effort that I was before them because yeah, there's there's two boys and they take a lot of my time and um, a lot of my energy. So yeah, now that they'll get to start daycare, that's, that's going to help me out quite a bit. But Wait, yeah, it's- They had to oh, interview ahead. for daycare? <laughs> They did. They did have to interview. And I was like, this is just, this is a recipe for disaster. But they really, they're two year old twins. I think honestly it is because it is such an issue. It's really the only daycare that I know of in town. So hopefully it sounds like, you know, they're kind of working on a few different options, maybe trying something through the school. They were calling kind of a transitional 
daycare to kindergarten thing. So, I mean, I think people are recognizing it's an issue and and trying to make strides to to figure out a solution. But but yeah, they did have to interview, and I think they are pretty picky on who they you know have in there just because they can be. People are so desperate for childcare. So, yeah, they get a start. Hopefully, there are no problems and they get to stay in there. So <laughs> we'll see. The labor issue goes way beyond agriculture, but we made a post where we're hiring for our operation and some lady commented and said, I hope you hire a true Montanan. Don't bring in in any outsiders. And I commented below and I said, we'll hire the best candidate possible. Of course, we would prefer someone local, but that might not be a possibility. And it was so funny to me that someone would make that comment because I recently had an appointment at the clinic slash hospital in town and I was talking to the nurse. She's a traveling nurse and she's living in her camper. She was like, I can't afford a house here. And I I mean, it just blew me away. And then the school, Jason and Allie are, well, not Allie, but Jason was going to Townsend. And the teachers, they're having the hardest time attracting teachers because they don't pay enough for them to live there. And it's this big issue that we're going to have to address in Montana in general, but especially like in the counties that we live in, where we have got to get some housing because we are going to lose this labor force. And if people keep moving in because they want to live there because it's a beautiful area, but they're not contributing to some of those like blue collar, I don't want to call a teacher a blue collar or a nurse, but those type of jobs. I mean, we don't need our nurses living in campers. Right. No, and 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 I've heard that same thing about teachers. It's like this is a you know, one of the more expensive places to live and one of the faster developing, but I've heard like our teachers are some of the poorest paid teachers in the I think it might almost rank like in the country. So, it just yeah, it's it, it's not making a whole lot of sense in in my eyes and definitely we're going to have to figure out some way around it because it is, it's an issue. And I I think, you know, for agriculture, I think labor has been a problem or an issue for a while, but obviously COVID has really put kind of just a kink in things. And it's, I don't understand it because I'm like, the work is still there. Like where, where are the people? Like the people disappeared and the workers disappeared, you know, because of COVID. And I'm like, we've got to start getting back to some type of normalcy. Like people got to start getting back to work. We've got to start, I guess, making it possible for them to come back to work and to live. It's like they're finding incentive to work at home and being more successful that way. And it's like, we've, we've got to just, we've got to get people back to work and and start getting the wheels rolling again and just kind of getting back to some type of normalcy. And I, I don't know what it's going to take, to be honest. I'm not sure. Well, it seems like everybody's sure. hiring, but like <laughs> there's no workers. I, yeah. I don't know. And for sure, if we think about the boys and Jason and Ellie coming back to Townsend, there has to be some significant changes for them to be able to come back right out of college or right out of high school, try to live on their own and come back to our family's operation. I mean, it's going to be a challenge. And so I think everyone in rural America, we need to be really cautious of these things. I know it's easy to say, I don't need to show up to the town hall meetings. I don't need to, you know, be on the school board. Like, we're busy. But if we want a community that is attractive for the next generation, I think we really are going to have to put some structural changes in. And that's going to have to come from us, which is hard. You know, one thing we will talk about in just a minute is being the manager of people while bringing new ideas and changing some things, but it's hard to make time for it. But I just don't know that we can expect your kids and Jason and Allie to want to come back if housing costs what it is, if there's kids don't get a good education, <laughs> if there's no daycare, like any of that. I mean, things are really going to have to change. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and this is getting a little more broader too, but honestly, when I found out I was having the boys my parents were the most worried about bringing children into the world of what it is today. I mean, just scared for them. And and I'm the same way too. It's like, 
what will things look like for them? It could be and likely will be just a completely different world. And we're talking about, you know, making it appealing for them to come home. And it's like, is are they even going to have the option? Is the ranch even going to be here? I mean, agriculture is up against so many pushbacks and obstacles. It's it's just, it makes me sad and, and scared for them. Yeah, it'll just, it'll be really interesting. And um, my husband and I, we just keep thinking like, we'll raise them how we're going to raise them. We'll stick to our morals. We'll, we'll do everything we can to make them just be downright good human beings. But the world is changing. There's no doubt about that. And things will just look, I'm sure, completely different for them. County, world, the ranch. And all I can do is just is pray that, you know, that the ranch is still going to be here for them. The opportunity will still be here for them. And it, it very well may not be. I mean, we have to be realistic about that. Yeah, I think we're doing a lot of praying on all fronts, right? Yeah. This fall, we're bringing you the only all-in-one resource for the seed stock industry, the Breeder's Edge, a seed stock cattle marketing summit, will be a two-day knowledge-packed virtual conference on all things seed stock, deep diving into production, marketing, and operational insights. Some of the topics we will cover are embryo transfer, reproduction, foot design, livestock risk protection insurance, seed stock nutrition, structure, utilizing social media, Facebook, Instagram, website design, catalog design, photo and video, email marketing, hosting your own website auction, up-leveling your services, budgeting, and successful succession planning. We will have experts in every topic. Registration for this event doesn't open until July 13th. You can go ahead and get on the waitlist now at krosecompany.com slash the Breeders Edge waitlist. See so we are the first to know when and how to register. I think one of the things that you've really done to help kind of do your best to ensure that next generation is be creative. And you have come into your operation with a lot of ideas some that you implemented and some that I'm sure your dad looked at you just like my dad does and was like, uh, no. <laughs> and, but you've done some things that have changed kind of the profitability of the operation with some new ideas. So talk a little bit about some of the things that you brought to the table and kind of tweaked. Yeah. So the last time we talked, I mean, I probably took a, a little bit different direction than this. Um, you had mentioned my pictures and and the photography side of things. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, that is probably where I've added the most value, I guess you could say. Between college and coming home, I had spent some time working for a company called Cattle in Motion and working for a company called The Livestock Link. And it's basically where I learned to picture, but mostly video cattle for sales. But I, I kind of brought that home to the ranch. Today, I do all of our own photography and videoing for our sales, which I don't think everyone realizes how big of an impact that can be. I've worked at places where you'll have to fly in the photographer. They're on a very, very strict schedule because, you know, it's sale season and and they're trying to get to everyone's place. And so they fly them in. It'll be raining for the entire period they were supposed to be here. So you're either getting lower quality pictures and videos or you're paying for them to sit in a hotel to try and wait out the rain if you even have that luxury because likely they, they've got to get going on to the next job. You know, most people will will video and they'll picture at different times. So you're looking at having to do that twice and just kind of all the the basic things. But for me to be able to do that is kind of a, a luxury, I guess, because I, well, I set the schedule. So I basically tell everyone when I'm going to picture in video, we can work around weather. I can set up the pen how I want it to where I feel like it's going to be the most efficient. I can have time to work on editing those pictures and videos to meet deadlines. And it really is just a huge help, I guess, with me being able to do that. In addition, 
I do like if I'm going out to check cows or something, I will every once in a while grab my camera and try and get just some scenic photos. And I think that's really helped to kind of amp up our catalog design. We've started getting, you know, quite a few compliments on on our catalog and people being excited to see them and get it in the mail so they can go through the pictures and stuff. I just I hate talking about me taking pictures because I'm so far from a professional. I like I wouldn't even call myself an amateur with it. Everything that I've done with the camera has pretty much been self-taught. I learned it through Cattle in Motion. I learned basically just enough to try and take pictures and and get them on the computer and, you know, sometimes I'd send them off to be edited or or whatever. So, I didn't learn a ton and my mostly my focus was videoing and doing a little bit of uh sale broadcasting, but I didn't do too much with photography, but I did have to have a camera and be willing and able. So when I got home, I just I started to learn more just by wanting to do something and so I would google it and figure out how to do that thing. It was that process just oh, how do I do this? Let me google it and I'd learn that way. So if you sat me down in like a photography class and started talking like terms and details of this and that, I would probably have no idea what anyone's talking about. So I always get nervous when people are like, oh, your pictures are great. You know, I'm like, don't ask me like how I did this or how I did that or or what I shot with or aperture or, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, hopefully no one asks me about that because I, I really don't know. I've just, I learned how to turn on a camera and then kind of self-taught myself or self-taught a few things. But really, at the end of the day, that's where I've added the most value is just kind of on the marketing side of things and portraying our ranch in, I guess, a positive light. And, and, and one of our perks is the location that we're in. We're in a very beautiful location. So if I can kind of portray that through my pictures, I think that kind of helps sell the cattle, sell us as a, as a ranch and as a family. She is an exceptional photographer. We will be sure to link <laughs> to some of her photos in the show notes. She has definitely an eye, and you're correct. I mean, the landscape doesn't hurt. To give you guys some idea, Canyon Ferry Lake is really close, and then we have several mountain ranges, and it looks green a good chunk of the time compared to other places in Montana. And yeah. we also kind of are in, well, you don't feel like it, but our area is a little bit in a banana belt. And so <laughs> we can have little milder seasons. It doesn't seem like your ranch is included in that, but our place <laughs> is in the banana belt and the house in town that I have is in the banana belt. And so I think the marketing really does. I mean, I think you've added a ton of value there. And the other thing too, is like, if you ever have a bull or a female someone's interested in, like you can get a high quality photo that afternoon and send it to them. And that's just not right. a possibility if you don't, one, have a good camera and two, really know how to use it. And it's this fine line because we have customers all the time approach and say, we're going to take our own photos and videos. And sometimes I'm like, do you want us to edit it for you? Because a good photo and video really matters, and I get a little nervous when someone volunteers to take their own, especially the first year. I'm like, let's do a practice run because it could be a make or break for your marketing if it's not done correctly. No, absolutely. I think, you know, when I was kind of videoing for the Livestock Link, that was probably our biggest competition was people wanting to just do it themselves. And it's funny because I that mentality is there like when I do show up and they just think that it's it's very easy. It's going to be just a, a quick day. And, and I'm like, okay, listen up. This is not a fun day. You're going to get a lot of steps in. And so like, let's just buckle down and, and get through it. But yeah, I think people think it's a lot easier or I guess kind of just straightforward than what it is. And they do try and do it themselves. But I do. I think a, a good picture and and a good video goes a really long ways. And and I think as time goes on, the video is getting more and more important, which it should be. I mean, you can do so much to a picture. Most people can. Again, I'm not a professional, so I hardly know how to do anything. But you can, t- you know, you can tweak you, anything on a photo. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I think 
we're getting, you know, more emphasis on videos and and wanting to see those cattle walk and and how they move and stuff. So, you know, if you hire someone that knows, you know, kind of what they're doing and how to kind of highlight those animals in certain ways. I mean, I think it just, yeah, it, it goes a long ways. And don't get me wrong. I understand why people do it. Like, like I said, I mean, it gets pricey and it gets hard finding people and, and finding people that can work with your schedule. And it just is tough. So it, it really is. It's a luxury that, that I can do that. And, and we don't have to deal with an outside person. You know, before we started doing our own sale, we were guest consigning with a, a couple ranches over east of us. And yeah, we were flying in three guys basically to come take our pictures. It was great in the fact that they brought help. And the guy is a very great photographer, very well known, has a ton of experience. There was a lot of good things about it, but also it's like there were times where they came and it was a hundred degrees and a couple, if we would have waited a couple of days, you know, it was going to cool off or it was raining while they were here. And if we would have waited a couple of days, you know, we could have gotten a clearer date, just small things like that, where it makes it so nice that I'm here and I can work around those things and still be able to put out a picture and video that is good enough, I guess, to be displayed in the catalog and, and to portray those animals, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I think is people think like taking the videos and the photos for the person doing it, it's an easy day. And I'll never forget, I was in a, a hotel in Lewistown, Montana, and I probably had been like 14, 15 days straight picturing and videoing in the winter. My camera kept freezing, so we kept having to go inside. I mean, it was cold. And I would get done picturing a video, I'd have a cup of tea and go to bed. Like, I mean, just the position that your body has to be in to look at the camera correctly and you're just standing in one spot for, you know, in the winter. I mean, it's probably only eight so hours, but it's not as easy as I think it, it looks when it's in a catalog. Like, oh, look, they just got the feet right and then they snapped a photo. I mean, it's a long day and those people who that's their careers I mean, obviously, we have people on our team that do it, but it can be pretty challenging. One, you don't want to film in bad weather. Sometimes you don't have a choice, right? You're like, I have to go to the next place. You have airplanes booked. But there is something about having an eye and being able to do it that has really helped you guys and improved what you have to offer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I spent quite a few years with the Livestock Link. It was some long sale seasons, that's for sure. He would send us out for, for weeks at a time and the wind chill was just absolutely brutal. And yeah, I mean, it was amazing that my camera even worked in some of those. I did have issues. I think my batteries, like I went through so many batteries because I think it just totally ruined them. It's amazing that my camera did work. Yeah, it's it's not very fun. You're right. You're like hunched over, which is always funny because like I'll go to the chiropractor and he's like, don't look at your phone when you're texting, like hold your phone up here. And I'm like, for like eight hours straight, I would be hunched over looking at my camera and I'm like, what would he think? Like he, he would absolutely like squash that. Like that is not okay. And you know, like I have really bad carpal tunnel now and I that just could not have helped that, you know, just gripping that camera as hard as I could, my hands freezing, you know, when I would be done with a bull, it would felt like I couldn't even like open up my hand to like let go of the camera. You know, even this, this past week we were, well, we were picturing and videoing our own sale cattle. And, um, I don't know, it was like 95 degrees. It was just, it was supposed to be hot for like this week. It had been hot. We just decided to get it done to meet this catalog deadline. And um, I was videoing at the same time. I was videoing our breads at the same time. I'll do our, our younger stuff later. So I was packing around my video camera, packing around my camera. And I'm like, I was just complaining the whole day. I'm like, I think this camera got like 10 pounds heavier. Like, what is going on? And I mean, we couldn't have drank enough water to make up for as much as like we were sweating it out. We were just exhausted by the end of the day. I missed a lot of parts of my body with sunscreen and it was very painful. I mean, like it's just, it's not a fun job by any means. Like once you've done it, once you've gone through a picture and video day, it's like, it's everyone's least favorite day. In fact, I don't, 
I think if I asked Jake to help me, he would downright refuse to do it. But yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun for us. It's it's stressful, you know, during those those weeks with the livestock link. I mean, it was just I don't think I've ever been as exhausted in my life as I was then because you're just you're outside all day in the cold. Either if you're there for a period of time, you'll go home, you need to get everything or go to the hotel, get everything off your cards, get batteries charged, ready for the next day, start editing because of course that comes along with everything. And then if you're going to a new place, again, like you're hopping in the car, trying to get there, driving, you know, for a period during the night, getting to the next hotel, you get there at like two o'clock in the morning, you still have to get everything off your cards, get all your batteries charged, get ready for the next day. And it does it, it wears on you for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that could potentially become an issue in the future of like finding people that, that want to do that job. Cause it's, it's not luxurious by any means. No, and if you're thinking about hiring us, we'll do it. We'll show up. But I think it's easy to see the end result and say, wow, that that's an easy job. That doesn't take much skill or much effort. And so it does. And you have a ton of it. I mean, your photos and videos are great. And I think it's really nice that you can kind of mold it into what fits in your guys' schedule and your help. And I do think that probably impacts the bottom line, and some things like that. So let's go into our rapid fire questions. These are fun. Uh, Okay, so first question, what is your favorite cut of steak and how do you like it? New York. I like it medium. Okay. An ag industry topic that you think needs talked about more? We did talk about labor, so yeah, we'll stick with that. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Hard times don't last. Hmm. Your non-career dream job. Did I say zookeeper? I think I would still stick with it. I saw this thing on Facebook the other day of like this hippo trying to climb out of its pen and this guy just like tapping its nose to get back in. And I'm like, how great is that? Like, that's just fantastic. And Fiona, Fiona the hippo on social media, she won me over. I'm like, I will come spend my days with you, taking care of you. (laughs) I saw a drive-through zoo where you like oh, drive yeah. and roll the windows down and you have a cup of food gets oh, from yeah. and this girl she is one it was like some kind of bird that first came in the window and then it was a bison and like they're literally like coming in and she's holding the foods she's trying to like lean over to her husband's side she's like okay personally i've had enough personally it was a longhorn cow kept trying to come in, but the horns were like blocking it. Oh my gosh. No. Well, oh my gosh. <laughs> this, this has been a great conversation. I think you're doing incredible things and trying to balance it all, being a mom and managing people and being a daughter. And we know how that can all be and a wife and it's hard to manage it all. So I think you're doing a great job and thanks for being on today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks again for listening to the Cattleman U podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. We are thankful to have you in your community. Like always, remember the grass is greener where you water it.